Chapter Nineteen of the Complete Angler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Lee. The Complete Angler by Isaac Walton. Chapter Nineteen. The fifth day continued of rivers and some observations of fish piscator well scholar since the ways and weather do both favour us and that we yet see not tottenham cross you shall see my willingness to satisfy your desire and first for the rivers of this nation there be as you may note out of dr Halin's geography and others in number three hundred and twenty-five but those of chiefest note he reckons and describes as followeth the chief is Temesis, compounded of two rivers, Tame and Isis, whereof the former, rising somewhat beyond Tame in Buckinghamshire, and the latter, near Cirencester in Gloucestershire, meet together about Dorchester in Oxfordshire, the issue of which happy conjunction is Temesis, or Thames. Hence it flieth betwixt Barks, Buckinghamshire, Middlesex, Surrey, Kent, and Essex, and so weddeth itself to the Kentish Medway, in the very jaws of the ocean. This glorious river feeleth the violence and benefit of the sea more than any river in Europe, ebbing and flowing twice a day, more than sixty miles, about whose banks are so many fair towns and princely palaces, that a German poet thus truly spake, Tot Campos, etc. We saw so many woods and princely bowers, sweet fields, brave palaces, and stately towers, so many gardens dressed with curious care, that Thames with royal Tiber may compare. 2. The second river of note is Sabrina, or Severn. It hath its beginning in Plimlimmon Hill, in Montgomeryshire, and his end seven miles from Bristol, washing in the mean space the walls of Shrewsbury, Worcester, and Gloucester, and diverse other places and palaces of note. 3. Trent, so called from thirty kind of fishes that are found in it, or for that it receiveth thirty lesser rivers, who having his fountain in Staffordshire, and gliding through the counties of Nottingham, Lincoln, Leicester, and York, augmenteth the turbulent current of Humber, the most violent stream of all the isle. This Humber is not, to say truth, a distinct river having a spring-head of his own, but it is rather the mouth or estuarium of diverse rivers here confluent and meeting together, namely your Derwent, and especially of Ouse and Trent. And as the Danau, having received into its channel, the river Dravus, Savus, Tibiscus, and divers others, changeth his name into this of Humberabus, as the old geographers call it. 4. Medway, a Kentish river, famous for harbouring the Royal Navy. 5. Tweed, the north-east bound of England, on whose northern banks is seated the strong and impregnable town of Berwick. 6. Tyne, famous for Newcastle, and her inexhaustible coal-pits. These and the rest of principal note, are thus comprehended in one of Mr. Drayton's sonnets. Our flood's queen, Thames, for ships and swans is crowned, and stately Severn for her shore is praised, the crystal Trent for fords and fish renowned, and Avon's fame to Albion's cliffs is raised. Carlegian Chester vaunts her holy dee, York many wonders of her ooze can tell, the peak her dove whose banks so fertile be, and Kent will say her medway doth excel. Cotswold commends her Isis to the tame. Our northern borders boast of Tweed's fair flood. Our western parts extol their willies' fame, and the old Lee brags of the Danish blood. These observations are out of learned Dr. Halin, 
and my old deceased friend Michael Drayton. And because you say you love such discourses as these, of rivers and fish and fishing, I love you the better, and love the more to impart them to you. Nevertheless, scholar, if I should begin but to name the several sorts of strange fish that are usually taken in many of those rivers that run into the sea, I might beget wonder in you, or unbelief, or both. And yet I will venture to tell you a real truth, concerning one lately dissected by Dr. Wharton, a man of great learning and experience, and of equal freedom to communicate it, one that loves me and my art, one to whom I have been beholden for many of the choicest observations that I have imparted to you. This good man that dares do anything rather than tell an untruth, did, I say, tell me he had lately dissected one strange fish, and he thus described it to me. This fish was almost a yard broad, and twice that length, his mouth wide enough to receive or take into it the head of a man, his stomach seven or eight inches broad. He is of a slow motion, and usually lies or lurks close in the mud, and has a movable string on his head, about a span or near unto a quarter of a yard long, by the moving of which, which is his natural bait, when he lies close and unseen in the mud, he draws other smaller fish so close to him, that he can suck them into his mouth, and so devours and digests them. And, scholar, do not wonder at this, for besides the credit of the relator, you are to note many of these, and fishes which are of the like and more unusual shapes, are very often taken on the mouths of our sea-rivers, and on the sea-shore. And this will be no wonder to any that have travelled Egypt, where, tis known the famous river Nilus, does not only breed fishes that yet want names, but by the overflowing of that river, and the help of the sun's heat on the fat slime, which the river leaves on the banks when it falls back into its natural channel, such strange fish and beasts are also bred, that no man can give a name to, as Grotius in his Sophom and others have observed. But whither am I strayed in this discourse? I will end it by telling you, that at the mouth of some of these rivers of ours, herrings are so plentiful as namely, near to Yarmouth in Norfolk, and in the west country pilchers so very plentiful, as you will wonder to read what our learned Camden relates of them in his Britannia. Well, scholar, I will stop here, and tell you what by reading and conference I have observed concerning fish-ponds. End of chapter 19